in the, the first church that I was privileged to pastor, in talking to people over the years, uh, learned some of the history of the church and things that had gone on before and, and whatnot. And it was interesting for me to find out that uh, there, there was a, a time in the history of the church, uh, several years before I got there, where a new family came to the church and they were just like, uh, it was kind of like a stellar family. Um, um, the husband could preach. They had a business um, they were involved in the church and, and um, really made an impact, in fact, so much that the husband did a, a, lot, of, a lot of preaching. And um, they were blindsided probably a year and a half out after this family was with them to have the RCMP come looking for them. There were warrants out in the States for this guy. And uh, he, had, uh, he had this business thing, and it wasn't going well, and he got people, money from several people in the church, gave him money. And uh, what they discovered was this couple wasn't even married. Uh, they had come, and they had worked their way into the hearts of people and the generosity of the people, and, and the whole thing was a total sham. The FBI was on it from the States, the RCMP, and bang, they're gone. And, and the whole thing was this huge charade that had, that had happened. We call that hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. I'm going to give you a definition of hypocrisy. It's a false appearance of virtue or goodness while concealing real character or inclinations. So it's, it's pretending to be something that you're not. Webster said it's the sin of pretending to virtue or goodness. Pretending because it's not really there. It's someone who's pretending to be something or someone that they're not. Interestingly enough, um, the word in Greek is hypocrites. And it, what it means, it means a play actor. Now some of you will know this, uh, these... Uh, 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 Greek masks that were used. Uh, one is for tragedy, one is for comedy. And uh, they would wear a mask and, and uh, they would play a part. Um, I have here a mask of... What are you laughing for? <laughs> Panettone. And Panettone was someone that was played, somebody, I, I said to somebody, don't do that when the kids are here because you'll freak them out. Um, but Panettone was an, a, a, a player and, uh, that, that was acted out. His part was acted out. And, and he was a guy with a short pants and he had a lot of money and he was just, he was really a creepy kind of guy. And, and somebody would play this part and they would wear the mask. Uh, and some of you are saying, that's a marked improvement. You should leave that on. Um, may God forgive you. Uh, but, but he would play an act. And, and, act and, and when he was done, he would take it off. It, it would, would be all over. That wasn't really him. He was playing the part. And, and that's what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is when we, we play a part. It's not really us. 
We're being something that we're not. It's not real. It's disingenuous. And you can put on a good show and you can pretend to have some substance and you can fool people. And there were a lot of people that were fooled in my first church by this guy. They just, they just came and, and found their way into the hearts of these people. Um, and some people are really, really good actors. And we see it all over, don't we? You see hypocrisy everywhere. You see hypocrisy, for instance, in the political realm. Uh, David Runciman wrote a book called Political Hypocrisy. And, and he asked the question, what kind of hypocrites should voters choose as their next leader? And his assumption is, everybody is a hypocrite. It, it, it's, just, it's just a given so you choose what kind of hypocrite you would want. And it's interesting to me because when you see some of the inconsistencies that some of our leaders have had in the political realm who say one thing and live something totally else uh, otherwise, or, or they make a claim to some kind of virtue or supporting something and, and this deep value, and then, and then things, things come to the surface that they have done or said or or what they really are like. And so it's easy to be a bit cynical about all of these kind of things because people will do what they need to do to get into power and stay in power and they'll say the right things to the right people. And that may not be who they are behind the scenes when the cameras are off. And we've seen that happen so many times in, in our country and in our neighbor to the south and, and really around the world. My observation is that hypocrisy is no longer an issue that will get somebody kicked out of office. They expect hypocrisy and, and all the kinds of things that we've seen going on in politics. It just gets excused and swept under the rug and, and we, we move on. But we see, it, we see it in things like police where, where police who are... are, are have the ability to charge somebody with sex crimes will use the services of sex workers and get let them off or, or who will take some drugs and sell it and you say well that's hypocritical of course it is and and teachers and 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 church leaders some of whom have have been hypocritical you know the sad thing is that we have young people who really prize honesty and being real and authentic. And, and I know you can say the younger generation wants that and they have their own hypocrisies, and they do. But they're looking for something uh, where people are real and authentic. And this pretending and play acting is something that is highly offensive. Well, it's highly offensive to God. The truth is that Let's be, let's be frank. We all engage in some kind of hypocrisy in our own life, right? Where, where what we say and believe and what we want doesn't totally line up with our actions and our attitudes and what we do. Uh, we struggle to have integrity. We understand um, at the same time it's not appropriate to air your dirty laundry before everyone everywhere, but but there's something, there's something that most of us want to hide some things. We don't want you to, to see us at our worst. 
If I'm having a bad day, I don't want you to see me. If I've got a bad attitude and everything is going wrong and I'm stressed and I may not act appropriately, you know, I, I don't want you to know that. I, I want you to have a picture of me that is ideal in many ways. Recently, Gerda and I uh, had, had to go out and we were going to visit some people and people said, uh, Gerda said, what, you know, what can we bring? And the person said, bring uh, ice cream. And so on the way we drove and I, I pulled into the parking lot and, and Gerda went in to get this and I made a, I made a phone call to Lloyd Knight. I called Lloyd Knight, and we had some things to talk about, so we talked, and I see Gerda coming out of the grocery store, so I start the car, and, and I go and pick her up, and she got a thing of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, good ice cream. The container was like this big, <laughs> and like I kind of flipped out a little bit. I said, we can't take that. That's ridiculous. You can't go with that much ice cream. You know, and so we were kind of getting into it. And we were discussing the issue. And those of you who know me know that I can be pretty passionate about food. And so I'm, I'm you know, waxing passionate. And, and you, you, you know... And she said, well, well, the person said all she wanted was a tiny, don't bring a big thing, don't bring, you know. And then all of a sudden, I heard, hello? <laughs> when I started the car to pick Gerda up, it kind of disconnected for a minute, the, the phone, and it reconnected. So Lloyd was listening to Gerda and me going at it, and... and <laughs> And being real hypocrites, because that's not what I want people to see, right? And uh, you know, so, so it was obviously embarrassing. We drove on. I looked at Gerda. She looked at me. And we started killing ourselves laughing, you know, busted. But none of us, none of us lives with total authenticity. Like, there are times when we... We don't show our best side, maybe. There are times, and, and we're not asking people to do that kind, you know, to air all their dirty laundry or anything like that. But, but God calls us to live lives of consistency, lives, uh, lives of integrity, where what we say is how we live. And, uh, you know, it's humbling when something like that happens and you kind of get busted because... I want, you to, I want you to think, oh, the best of me. But those of you who know me uh, know, I, you know I'm, I'm not near the perfect scale. And don't go and talk to Gerda because she could fill you on so many, many more things that she shouldn't say. <laughs> but, but there needs to be, and we need to strive for a level of consistency and integrity in our life. And, uh, and we can struggle with that. Um, you know, there's something that's interesting in the Bible, and here's what I find really kind of um, mind-boggling, that some of the people who are the most religious, who are the most zealous about their faith, um, are called out by Jesus as the biggest hypocrites. The guys the people who are right at the top of their game in the religious world, 
the most religious, the most knowledgeable people were the ones that had a target on them, and Jesus lambasted them for their hypocrisy. Now, if you haven't been with us, you don't know, we, we've been in a series of talks uh, called uh, The Pharisee in Me. And the Pharisees were a, a party, a religious party. Um, they were a, a very exclusive party. They, they were um, incredibly religious, and, and they, they followed their faith uh, to the nth degree. Uh, and we've been looking at the last few weeks about some of the, the kind of characteristics of these people. Um, they were the ones that we have the highest expectations of, and Jesus gave it to them uh, the, the worst. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this. Jesus is talking to, his, to the people, and he says, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. What he means by the yeast, the kind of thing that permeates them. It, it, it's what they are. It permeates their whole being. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, and he says, which is hypocrisy. This characteristic that these religious, highly, highly religious people is this, that they're hypocrites. Um, hypocrisy, Jesus marked out. As, as something that was reprehensible in them. And in fact, in Matthew 23, he calls out the religious leaders. And six times he says to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, over and over and over, calls out judgment and a curse upon them for their hypocrisy. You teachers of the law and Pharisees, you're nothing but hypocrites. Jesus detests hypocrisy. And the thing is that, you know what, there's only one person that has lived a totally consistent life, and that's Jesus Christ. That everything he claimed and everything he said matched up with everything he did and everything he thought and every attitude he has was totally consistent with what he said and who he was and uh, what he claimed to be. And uh, I just want to look for a few minutes at the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And we want to examine them. And, and I want to warn you, um, when we look at them, we might see a little bit of ourselves in them. That's why it's not fun for us to prepare these messages, because it comes back to us, first and foremost. Here's one of the characteristics of their uh, hypocrisy. First, they don't practice what they preach. They don't practice what they f- preach. As we examine them, uh, we, we find this. They say, do as I say. They don't say this, but in essence, it's do as I say, not as I do. In Matthew 23, verses 1 to 3, we read this. Jesus said to the crowds, and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They have religious authority, in other words. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They, they, they'll tell you what to do, and Jesus says they, they have the religious authority to share the scripture with the people. But the problem is, don't do, do what they say, but don't do what they do, uh, because what they do 
is not what they, what they preach themselves. And uh, perhaps, I guess one of the places where we maybe see this is as parents. You know, sometimes you tell your kids to do something, but you don't do it yourself. You're happy for them to do it, and this is what they should do, but you don't do it. That's hypocrisy. And, and the thing is that Jesus says you need to line up what you say with how you act and how you behave. And here's the thing, and let me just, let me just say something to dads on this Father's Day for a moment. Statistically, dad, your influence, your spiritual influence in your home statistically will eclipse that of your wife and the mother of your children. Your faithfulness, your consistency, uh, your integrity spiritually will have the biggest impact in your family. And, and you know, when, when, kids, when, when kids are told, uh, you know, do this, but I don't do it. When you, tell, when you take your kids and drop them off at church, but you don't go yourself. Uh, when you tell them um, they shouldn't smoke, but you smoke. When you warn them about the dangers of immorality, but you have a problem with pornography, uh, you, you lose the moral authority and impact. You, you forfeit uh, the kind of impact that you could have in your children's life. And, and uh, the inconsistency of your life will affect your children. And it'll render your testimony without credibility. You won't have credibility in what you say. But, but when what you say and what you live line up, there's power in that. And your kids uh, and our kids can spot a phony a mile away. They, can, they know when we're, when we're blowing smoke, when we're not what we should be. You've got to practice what you preach. And uh, probably all of us uh, at parents, maybe at some time, have been a little guilty of that. Well, that was certainly a problem with the Pharisees. The second thing is, they did religion for show, not for God. Their whole religious exercise was to make them look good in, in front of other people. It was all about looking good. The goal was to be noticed, to be respected, to be exalted. Um, to be seen. They loved the cameras. Uh, they, they would, they'd be smiling for the cameras. They wanted to uh, have that kind of notoriety. And uh, they want us to believe that they're super spiritual. Um, they want us to think the highest of them. And uh, in, in Matthew 23, 5 to 7, it says this. Everything they do these religious leaders, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. What in heaven's name is that? Well, in the Old Testament, there was a, uh, there was a verse that said that they should take the word of God and they should put it on their forehead and they should put it on their hand and what was and, and they should write it on the doorposts of their house. So if you go to a Jewish person's house, they will have on the door there'll be a little uh, a little thing uh, about the size of a stick of gum, and it will be screwed beside the door. And what will be in there 
is some scripture written on it. It's called a mezuzah. And, um, and they take this uh, that was not to meant, be meant literally. It was like, you know, have the word of God control your head and, and your actions. But, and they took it in a very literal sense. Put it on the doorpost of your house. So they did. They put this little thing and it would have a little handwritten scroll in Hebrew of what they were to do. And a phylactery. I'll give you a picture here. You see the man on the left. You see he's got something on his forehead. And it's a little leather box. And he's got a leather strap and he would tie it on. And in that uh, little box would be four scriptures from the Old Testament that would be written by a scribe by hand and put in there. There's one on his arm. You see it on his, on his bicep. And you see that thing is wrapped around. They wrap it around in a very specific way, actually, to, to form a, um, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And this was their way. So in prayer, they would put on this phylactery on their arm, uh, on their arm closest to their heart and on their head. And they would pray, and you, you would see some, uh, perhaps even at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and they would be praying, and, and, uh, and they'd have this phylactery. And he says, but the religious guys, what they did, they put these big honking phylacteries on their head to look like, hey, I'm more, I'm more spiritual than you are. And they had tassels. They, they were instructed to have tassels. So you see a prayer shawl there and their tassels, but their tassels were really long and showy because they wanted everybody to recognize, hey, well, you think you're spiritual. I'm more spiritual than you are. Look at the size of this baby. And, and you, know, it, you know, we laugh about it. It's kind of crazy, but they did this for show. Um, in Matthew 6 that Keisha read for us, we find three different expressions of our faith in, in, uh, in giving, in prayer, and in fasting. And in, I'm, I'm not going to go back over it, but, but what he's saying here is this. Um, you do this, what you do, your religious acts are done for men's applause. You do it to be seen by people. And so when you give your money... He talks about a trumpet. You go, you know, what's a trumpet? It was probably it was a thing that they put money into that, that kind of had a bell on it. And so if you wanted to really show off, you could, take, you could take some money and you would ping, sound the bell, hit that, and everybody would see, look at me, I'm giving. I mean, it's like um, if you were giving a large offering. You may be tempted if you give by... Uh, by offering envelope to turn it up so other people could see. You know, what, what, are, we, what are you doing? I want people to think, I'm so spiritual. I'm, I'm giving so much. And he says, you know, when you give, don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. Do it in secret. Because if you want notoriety, if you want people to go, oh, you're such a great, you're such a spiritual person... That's what you'll get. You'll get exactly what you wanted. But you won't, get, you won't get God's applause. God who sees in secret will openly reward you. Same with prayer. So in prayer, they'd say, oh, oh it's time for prayer. I know I'm in the middle of the market, but... Heavenly Father, great God... I, I pray to you and thank you. It just make a display of it. No, he says, 
Go into your closet. Go into a private place and pray to God. Don't make a show of that. Um, you know, sometimes, and, and I know some people do this in a really genuine way, but sometimes we play act in prayer. Sometimes we have a voice for our regular conversation, and then we have a prayer voice. And it's, it's like, it's a half an octave lower. Oh, Heavenly Father, gracious God, who by thy providence thou didst... And we use this words that is not us. And, and I'm not saying people can't do that out of respect, and some people do. But if you're doing it to make other people think, wow, you are really spiritual... Do you know what it does to new believers? It says to them, I can't pray. You know, in, in our life group, we, we don't want flowery speech. We want people to talk to God and not feel like, I can't pray um, because I, I, I don't have the language. I, I, I can't do it that way. And, and so when you pray, go into the closet. And then he talks about fasting. And they would fast. And, um, but if they're going to fast, you had to know they were fasting. It, there, was no, there was no use in fasting if people didn't know you did it, right? Because they're not doing it for God, they're doing it to be seen. So you say, hey, um, you, you, you know, you're, you look kind of disheveled. Your hair is all messed. And it, what's up? Oh, well. I'm fasting. That's why, you know, I, you know, look at me. Uh, I'm special. Look at me. I'm, I, I'm a really religious person uh, because I fast, and I'll make sure that you know it. And, and I'll, there'll be something about me that's going to tease a question. What's it, is something matter with you? Oh, no, I'm just fasting. I haven't had anything to eat, but that's okay because... And he says, if that's what you want... If you want people to go, great, that's fine. But you don't get anything from God. Because what you're doing it for is others, not for God. And, and, and so he wants us, he wants us to know um, that we need to do our spiritual life and exercises not for show, not to put on a big display for others, but for God. And in, in that way, not, not make a big deal about it. Um, that's what God wants. Not for show. Because we can play a game. We had a family friend, and um, um, this family friend had a, um, was going out with a guy, and she liked this guy, and he wasn't a Christian. And so she dragged him off to church, and he came to church, and, and um, you know, he knew, in a sense, if he was going to get the girl, he had to have some kind of a faith, a, a faith uh, position in order to really be accepted by her family. And so he went with it. He played the role. He was a hypocrite. He was a play actor, and he did a pretty good job. People thought, oh, yeah, this, this guy, is he's a believer. This is all good. And the marriage didn't last very long, and he left. And he just, he, he admitted, you know, like, I was never there. But I played the part. I played the role. 
and I'm more interested in getting the approval of people than of the approval of God. And so I'll play act. And, you know, a, a lot of us, I mean, if you've grown up in the church, you know how to play act for church. You know how to say the right things and do the right things. And, and you know, it, it may not reflect your life at all, but you know how to play the game. But God is looking for integrity. He's looking for people that really, um, really believe and mean and live out what they say. And, uh, and uh, there's a temptation for all of us to fudge on this a little bit. And we miss the applause of heaven. And we get whatever we want from people, but we never get God's approval. Well, thirdly, they looked for li- uh, loopholes to lie. Have you ever played a game with somebody and they change the rules as you're going through so they win? You know, <laughs> you know so as you're going, oh, oh, yeah, you can only do this when, when this happens. Really? Why didn't you tell me that at the start of the game? And then something else happens. And, and everything is made so that you win in the end. And, um, you know, the Pharisees kind of did something like that. In Matthew 23, 16, it, it says this. Woe to you blind, blind guides. Uh, you say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? Uh, You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Uh, Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything else on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. And you're going, what? This is somebody playing games. This is somebody saying, okay, I'm going to make up the rules. And if I want out of something, I'll say, oh, oh, yeah, I only... I, I, didn't, I didn't swear by the temple. I did, was the gold on the temple. And so I, I could get excused from that. And you play games. You play games to manipulate and get what you want to get. And he calls that hypocrisy. The bottom line is a lack of integrity. Because Jesus would say other, otherwise. You know, I mean, your yes should be yes and your no should be no. You should have that kind of integrity that you just say it. You don't have to make, make a, a, an oath and then slip out of that oath on a little technicality that was in, the, uh, was in the fine print that nobody else knew about it. And so people can, can use that kind of thing to circumvent obeying God. I know a woman who felt very convicted that she shouldn't go out and buy things on Sunday, and she knew that there was an auction coming up, and there's something she wanted in that auction. So she got somebody who wasn't a Christian to go and bid on and get this item for her because she wouldn't go and do it. You know, what's that all about? It's looking for loopholes to get what you want without having to obligate yourself to follow God in where you believe God is leading you. Um, the the uh, religious leaders were terrible with some of this stuff because they said, you know... Um, they knew they'd have to support their parents financially. That's what the law called for. Honor your father and mother. Um, and uh, they decided they didn't want their money going to that. So they would say 
This money that could go there, actually, we dedicated it to God so it can't be touched. So they're looking for loopholes to live as hypocrites, not following what the law has called them to do. Um, Looking for loopholes. Mm, You know what? We can be a little bit pharisaical in some of these things. The last thing is they focus on external religion, not on the heart. External religion, not on the heart. There's some people who seem to have their religious chops together. They, they, they do what's right and they do the proper thing. Um, they may be faithful in attending church and attending meetings and giving and serving. And they look so good. But here's what uh, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean also. Um, Do you ever had something that looks really good on the outside, but in the inside it's terrible? You know, know, a really nice uh, silver bowl all shined up. Um, there was something left in our basement. Um, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a cat food container. And there was a little bit of cat food in it where the cat couldn't get to it. And I don't know, I've lost my sense of smell, so I couldn't hunt that down. But I found this thing. And there's all mold on it and everything. And I'm saying, oh, you know, it's a nice-looking can. And then I look inside, and it's terrible. And And... He said, it's like cleaning and polishing the outside of something and have the inside absolutely filthy and putrid. He says, that's what your life is. You, you give outwardly a show of, of, of looking so good, but inside, he says, inside you're, you're full of, of, of rotten stuff. You're, you're, you're filthy you're, you're greedy. You're self-indulgent. Oh, you look good. You, you, you're all dressed up and you're doing and saying the right things, but inside, you're a selfish, greedy person. And, and the outside doesn't match the inside. You know, if he said, if you clean up the inside, the outside will be fine. The problem was with our heart. And you could do the outward stuff and you could have a corrupt heart. And the Pharisees were driven by this greed and self-indulgence, and it was ugly. But these are religious people. God looks at the heart. What's happening in your life? Do you live a double life in private versus public? In public, oh, you're so sweet and caring and lovely, and you go home and you turn into a monster. Is it possible to do that? Yes. Have I done that? Well, ask Lloyd Knight. <laughs> Lloyd, you get some good press today. <laughs> um, you know, so, so God is looking for people who live consistently. Do you live differently Sunday morning than you do the rest of the week? 
What's below the waterline that nobody can see? Oh, we see this much. But below the waterline, what is there? Is there that kind of consistency? Or are you really play acting and nobody knows who the real you uh, is? Uh, All of us probably, I said, live with some measure of inconsistency. And uh, probably all of us will see a little bit of Pharisee in our life uh, from time to time. And I just want to end by saying, how, how do we combat this? How do, how do we, what do we do about it? Well, the first thing is this. Acknowledge your shortcomings and inconsistencies. Um, none, of us is, none of us is perfect. None of us is totally together. This will be a long-term project of seeking to bring our life into line with what God wants. Um, we don't do that overnight. It's a process. But in order to get to that point, we need to acknowledge our shortcomings. We need to acknowledge, I'm, I'm, I'm not where I should be in this place. For some of, it's hard, uh, of us, it's hard to do that. But unless you do that, you can't move ahead. Secondly, confess your sins. Because if God is asking you to live a certain way, and you're not living that way, that's sin. And we need to confess that sin and ask for grace to live authentically. Ask for God's grace and his, the empowerment of his spirit to help our life line up. He will help you if you will, are willing to admit that. And, and thirdly, find a safe place to take off the mask of pretense and be real. Do you get tired of trying to pretend you're perfect before everybody? You know what? One of the things I really appreciate about our life group is we're, we're trying to be authentic. We're trying to be real and, uh, and to share, hey, I'm, I'm not having such a great day or I'm struggling with this and to have other people that will pray for us and encourage us and a place where we can, you know, you wear that happy face. How are things? Oh, fine. Oh, really? No, I just can't tell you. It's not fine, but I, I've got to live a lie. I've got to live like everything's fine. And I'm not, saying you t- I'm not saying you talk to everybody. You have to share your heart and life story with everybody. But there's got to be a safe place where you can lower the mask and be real and have people support you and say, hey, um, yeah, none of us is perfect. We accept each other and we pray that God will help us as we journey and we hold each other accountable. And, uh, and that's what God wants. Hey, you know what? Hypocrisy. All of us have a little bit of that in us. May God help us to identify it, uh, to see it, to ask for his help to change And to let that mask down and be a bit real and be consistent, not hypocrites, not playing a game, but living for real. Amen. Father, I just pray that you would help us in this area, that we would be the people that you want us to be. And we know that we we can struggle with some of this stuff. And Lord, it's tough, but I pray that you'd help us to be real with you and real in who we are. And Lord, some of us are going to have some struggles in areas of our life that maybe nobody else knows about, some deep, hidden secrets. Father, I pray that you would start and work in us and give us freedom from some of those things so that our life is 
really consistent with you. In Christ's name, amen.